This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Chews. Light Comfy, good to go to. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me tonight is Steve Lidyard, Jan Shaneas, Max Cohen, and Emilio Danello. We have a full house of co-hosts as we're going to be looking back at two years ago, which actually be on the 26th in a couple of days. We're recording this on a Sunday, looking back at the playoff final. I did a video a few days ago giving my view. Well, now I have these four wonderful co-hosts that are going to be sharing their views, and we're going to talk a great deal about two years ago, the playoff final, Fulham beating Aston Villa. And uh, I cannot wait to talk to my co-hosts about this. So I'm going to go to each one individually to just get their views. Mr. Lidyard, I was with you on that faithful, wonderful day. Let's start here. Let's start with you. Give me your view of the playoff final two years ago. Just just share your thoughts on on uh, what it meant to you and what you experienced that day. Um, so for anyone who's seen Russ's uh, video that he uploaded, obviously I sort of carried the uh, carried the walk with Russ, so Russ covered a lot of it. But from my perspective, it was a it was a different atmosphere because having attended the Europa League final in um, in 2010, it kind of looking back, you kind of walked into that one thinking. You know, the guy. This is going to be mighty tough, and uh, I don't give us a lot of hope. You know, and looking back, maybe you thought, well, you know, this is probably the end of our run. But walking into Wembley that day, I kind of felt, for some reason, I mean, we go, we go on through the game, but later on, but I kind of felt that we were going to win. I just couldn't see us coming out of Wembley not winning because I felt we had the side to do it. Um, as we know, the match played out it was completely different, but we going in there was amazing. You know, there were many highlights. Um, you guys will cover it in a lot more detail, but I think a massive highlight for me was probably actually at the end when um, when the White Wall was up and you had um, Tim Ream yep. leading a few of the players and sort of some sunbathing beach style, you know, by the goal in front of the fans. 
and just sort of shaking their heads in disbelief, like firstly at the site and obviously the achievement that they've done after a long season, you know, just missing out on the um, autos and then going up that way. So, um, so yeah, that was a sort of lasting memory, the players on the beach, you know, looking up at the fans. Okay, excellent. So you really felt confident going into that match, Steve. I remember that day. And uh, as I said in the video, I didn't feel as confident as you did. But when did you feel, again, we're going to go through this match that, you know, again, you felt that form were in control. We're going to talk about, obviously, the situation with Dennis Adoy. But during the match, when did you feel good about Fulham? Was it really, did you always feel during this match that it was going to be our our match here? Were there parts where you started to get a little bit concerned, like when Adoy got his second yellow and got sent off? Yeah, so I, I definitely got concerned at that moment. You know, it, it, no one can argue it was a second second bookable offence. Um, we could argue that Grealish should have seen red, but that was a different that was a different moment. Yep. But but even looking back now, you know, I was sat next to Reese uh, next to me with you guys, uh, Russ and Emilio, yep. and I, I kind of slouched in the chair and I thought, oh, this is we're not scoring again. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be lucky to see this out, knowing you know sort of the Snodgrass free kick and so forth. Um, but then when the final whistle went and I really sort of look back now, kind of felt we always we're always destined to win that. You know, when Snodgrass didn't hit his free kick in towards in the last five minutes, you just felt that was yep. their moment and it was either going to happen and they were going to go on and win it in extra time or, or that was it. You know, it was it was our game. And as soon as he missed that, I just genuinely felt, I thought, well, this is it. You know, <laughs> that's their best chance gone. Um, and we were hanging on a little bit towards the end, but we could have easily won that two or three nil, I thought, in the end. Um, your hands and you spoke about in your um, your video as well had a really good chance. Um, so it was one of those games. I think whoever scored first, and if we'd got a second, I think they would have tucked it away. Likewise, yeah. if Villa had equalised, potentially they would have gone on to win that two-one possibly. Um, but we don't really need to think about that anymore. Okay, excellent. There, Stephen. Now going to go to Emilio. Emilio, um, I thought it's a perfect transition since uh, we were together with Steve, and he mentioned Reese. I want to also mention Joe Tavi. We also ran into, I believe, Brendan Cronin there as well. Emilio, again, um, magical weekend. Can't thank you and Callie enough for uh, letting me stay with you, but it was just such a great day. But I wanted just to get your overall view. Feel free to share what Steve talked about, because, again, I want to get to what was going through your mind throughout this match from the beginning to the end, because uh, you know me. I I was nervous throughout. I I was a nervous Mm. wreck from (laughs) even way before we even got there. Until the final whistle, I was still a nervous wreck. How are you feeling? It's probably the same as you. Maybe not as bad as you to some extent, but <laughs> for me, it was it was. I can't describe it because obviously other other obviously bigger clubs in in the country they they reach cup finals regularly. For them, the cup finals are cup finals. It doesn't seem to have the level of sentimental reasons as when Fulham only get to a final once in a, in a generation. So for me, it felt like a a bit of a party, you know, all our all our close friends, all our yep. you know, all our f- fans, all sitting around each other, trying just enjoying the day out. To me, it's just felt like a party atmosphere. You know, it was very hot, as you remember that day. Um, we all travelled up there. We all we all organised to get meet up in groups. For me, it just felt like a little mini group, like a little bit of a club. Let's just have a little bit of a party, relax ourselves before the game. And we got into the game. That that helped me relax the nerves a little bit. I think just seeing everybody there, people that we knew, people we hadn't seen for a long time. That settled the nerves somewhat, but I was reasonably confident. Albeit there were moments when I didn't, when we didn't take us the chances. You know, there was a chance for a session to make it two 0 in the first yep. half. Could that have been a turning point for me? Because you know, we you know, it was a fairly cagey start from both teams, as you'd expect in a, in a big final. And 
Fulham aren't notorious for winning big matches, are we? You know, that's a, that's a problem, except for the Europa League run. Other than that, we tend to blow when it comes to crunch games. <laughs> so there was always that playing in the back of our mind, you know, yep. 40 years. Can we turn up on on the big stage and actually win, win out and win the game outright? And, and we did at the end. And to Steve's point, I agree with you. I think we could have ran out two nil winners at that, at, you know, at the end of that game. But for me, it was just taking away all those special memories, the fans, the white yep. wall, being all amongst ourselves, chit-chatting before, during, after the game. We went for drinks after the game. Yep. Jim and team. And it, to me, it just felt like a bit of a celebration. You know, lots happened since then in the last couple of years, not necessarily sure. for good reasons. But for me, I, what I'll take away from that is a get to Wembley at least once in my lifetime and, and actually winning there and winning a, you could argue, winning a trophy and promotion to the top flight. So, Great memories will be there forever, and you know it ranks up there with one of the best moments of being a Fulham fan. Fantastic, and we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. I want to see where this match ranks in Fulham history from you guys. But Emilio, right back to you, and then I'm going to go to Max. It's funny you talk about the Sessignon chance in the first half. Mm. I'm going to go to the one in the second half, right in front of us, Emilio, and you're going to mm. remember this because Stefan Johansson had a fantastic chance to score. If he scores there, the match is over. And then, of course, we have what happens after that, the mm-hmm. situation with Dennis Adoy. It's funny because I'm thinking about some of these situations. Like you said, Sessignon's opportunity, Johansson's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have what happened to Adoy. The other shoe never fell, Emilio, meaning <laughs> that, you know, I kept feeling it was going to fall. In fact, I'm going to talk about when we talk about the Dennis Adoy second yellow being sent off, how I felt at that time. I think I turned to you. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll share the, about that in a little bit. But I want to get your thoughts on just, again, these opportunities that mm. happen. Like you said, yours talking about Sessignon and money talking about Johansson. Because yeah. even without it, even being down a man, as we'll talk about with Dennis Adoy, they were still in control. They still, again, it was a different Fulham team. That other shoe did not drop. No, exactly. And and there were at times that we rode our luck, you know, you know that the Fredericks incident. You know, I think that always... One thing I'll always take away from the game is Steve Bruce's reaction during the game and after the game. That's right. That, that gave me a lot of pleasure and satisfaction. On another day, <laughs> we would have got, Fredericks would have got a red card for that on another day, to be honest. I know there's a lot of speculation, you know, did it deserve a red card? If, if I was a neutral, I'd probably say it was more red than not, for, to be honest. But, you know, we got you could argue we got us slightly away with it. And then maybe that was part of, maybe it was destiny, was that we would have won, won that game. And But to your point, the Johansson, with a bit more composure, then we, we that 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 should have been buried in the back of the net. Absolutely, that would have been game over, you know. And then, but for me, that's that's where that team, without all those, you know, that twenty-three game unbeaten run, hung in together. You know, they I think that that bode well for the final because the team were winning games. They you know they they knew what what winning meant, um, and I think they they had that winning mentality, that winning spirit. And and sometimes when you have that spirit, you ride your luck as well. You know, things do go in your favour. When the, you, know, you get the rub of the green, and maybe there were a couple of moments in that final where we did get the rub of the green, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, in a normal game, your hands probably would have buried that. But right. you know, in Wembley, big crowd, you know, maybe you know, you know, people are less composed, you know, and you know that could have been a, a crucial miss. But to me, I still thought, you know, we we were in control of the game, and I didn't really see how Villa were going to break us down, even even your hands are missing that chance. Okay, excellent, Max. Over to you. I want to get your view of. The match two years ago, you were there and definitely want to get your thoughts. Feel free to share your thoughts on what Steve and Emilio shared. I definitely want your thoughts on what Emilio just talked about here because I think it's key. 
because I was talking about the missed opportunities in this match, and we still found a way to win this match. The winning mentality, I'm glad that Emilio brought this up because that was a difference in this team than some other teams that I've seen with Fulham. The Europa League team had that as well. There have been teams that have had this winning mentality, but this team certainly had it, and I think they needed it at Wembley, especially when Dennis Adoy got sent off. So definitely want your thoughts on the winning mentality, but just also your overall view of being there. Yeah, it was a, it was one of the best spectacles, I think, of my life. And the biggest thing for me was perhaps not even the match, but the community aspect of it all. I was, wasn't even sure I was going to get tickets for the match. And the total stranger at the time, John Quinn, listened to College Talk, heard my perspective. <laughs> and, and was one of the nicest gestures someone's ever done for me. And now two years on, we're great friends. Every time I'm back in London for a match, I'll see him for a drink. And that's the kind of thing about the Fulham family. It truly crystallized uh, during that day two years ago when everyone kind of came together as a group. Uh, Mike Gregg also had that great kind of, and White Noise had the ticket exchange system trying to get everyone who wanted a ticket a ticket. And it was beautiful to see. And it all culminated, you know, when you walk out of the tube stop and you saw just the white wall walking down Wembley Way. And you thought, you know, perhaps in my life, a lot of times when I was not living in London, I might be the only Fulham fan within 100 miles, even more. <laughs> but being in that, 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 that side of Wembley, the east side of Wembley, surrounded yep. by 35,000, 40,000 fellow Fulham fans, that to me was the most special part of it, knowing that I'm not alone and we were all together cheering our team on for, the, for a place in the Premier League. And the match itself, oh, I mean, I think Emilio and Steve covered I think the, the bulk of it. But for me, it was, you asked me to talk about winning mentality, but the first and second half were such different sides of what that Fulham team was. We had the beautiful football in the first half, the dominating attacking play. We honestly could have had two or three goals. People forget how good Abubakar Kamara was in that game. Yeah. He actually had a really nice turn in volley. Um, of course, Kearney's goal, best goal I've ever seen. But we, could have, we were dominating, and that was Fulham at its very best. But what's so often overlooked about that 17-18 side was how good we were defensively. Yep. And that's what Stephen Miller talked about the second half. And then we showed our defensive grit and how we could defend a lead. Uh, and the defensive side is something that had been missing from Fulham teams in past years and also since then, where you could throw people like Oliver Nord and Thomas Callison off the bench and they put in amazing tackles and last gaps, headers, just to save the match. So it, it was a perfect combination of the brilliant attacking side of that team, but also the grittiness and the defensive nature. And it all okay. came together in the perfect game. Okay, excellent. Before I go to Giannis, I want to go back to you because you were talking about the camaraderie. We're all talking about it. I want to get your thoughts on on this part of it because um, I shared it on the video and I want your view of this. Going to Wembley, that walk up to Wembley. And I said this on the video, Max. I don't remember one Villa fan, and I know they were there, okay? That's a magical walk. And that actually just got me in the right mind frame, walking up and just feeling that this is the biggest sporting event I've ever been a part of. What is your view of the walk up to Wembley and you're about to enter there and all the Fulham supporters there with you? It was, it was magical. You know, I, I've been to Wembley before for England matches and for the Olympics uh, women's football title, but never in a million years that I imagine I'd see Fulham play there. And I'd always marveled at just the spectacle of it all because it, I think it is one of the best stadiums in England, uh, of course, excluding Craven Cottage. <laughs> but it has a different sort of charm to it. It isn't, um, it isn't like a Craven Cottage tight, intimate atmosphere. It's just so awe-inspiring. And to see just the entire east side, every single person wearing a white shirt, a Fulham kit, 
everyone cheering. I mean, all, all the flags that you had waving. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't even imagine how we, a, a club like ours, who no, no one sees as, as a massive club, but a family club, to command that sort of presence at Wembley and to win over Villa, the, the team who everyone, who were talking so much before the match, saying <laughs> it, was their, it was their right to be in the Premier League, a team that we, we hated, honestly, and probably do still hate. It was, I hate them now. It was special to know that you weren't alone and that when everyone came out in force, the team delivered the goods. And Absolutely. honestly, that was the best they got, you know? That was the best they got because the Premier League, as we all know, was, was a disaster. Um, we, we weren't cut out for it. And I think it really culminated. That was the peak, the 26th of May. And I don't think Fulham has hit that, those heights since. Okay, but that was a special day. And I'm glad that we're talking about it. You know, again, being amongst all these Fulham supporters, it was just magical, as you said, Max. We're going to talk about the white wall in just a second. But before I do that, I want to go over to my friend, Mr. Janaeus. Giannis, you wanted to be there with us, but you were actually home in Canada watching the match. You, you watched this at home. And uh, I want to get your view of this. But also, it's something that we're talking about. Emilio's talking about the winning mentality. Max is talking about the two sides of Fulham. I think both of them have a point because when you think about all the things that say have happened to Fulham in the past, expecting that other shoe to drop, this team was different. That other shoe didn't drop for the reasons we're talking about. I want to get your view of all of that. That, like I said, what Max and Emilio shared, and also your view of this day. Obviously, <laughs> envious of how that you you guys were over for the the big day. And uh, you know, when I open up my MacBook, the wallpaper is is the white wall um, of Wembley from that day, and it's just it's yeah. I mean, it's an it's an immense sight. I was lucky enough um, to be at the final in '75, and I still remember it pretty well. But that was a different game at a different time. That was a game where I didn't. Even as a nine, ten-year-old, I didn't think we were going to win because we were up against a very, very good West Ham side, and we'd done brilliantly. It was an amazing run in the final, um, but I never thought in our lifetime we'd get back to Wembley, as, especially after our last game of the season against Birmingham. I mean, that was such a rotter. We had the chance to go up as an automatic, and um, we blew it on that last day. But I remember um, I was a bit nervous before the game because you looked at Villa on paper and, and you, you sort of had an idea what Brucey was going to put out in the lineup and. On paper, they were a very strong lineup, and uh, you know they've got they've got rabid fans as well, and uh, conditions are going to be very very warm, and it's a it's a you know a winner take all. They got they had a lot of experience in in their eleven and a lot of Premier League experience. I thought there was only going to be a goal in it uh, either way. Um, it was great when we got the first bomber, then when when uh, our friend Mister Odoir <laughs> got his second yellow. <laughs> You know, it was a last. It was a nervy last twenty minutes. But sure it was. Early, that's that Snodgrass uh, freak. I, as soon as they got the freak, I thought. Oh, I, think I thought was that was the moment, Giannis. I thought that was the moment as well. Um, but um, it wasn't. We we found. You know, and this is where Slavisha deserves an awful lot of credit because we went on that magical twenty-three game run and we found games to win, found ways to win, even when there were games when we didn't deserve to be in it or we were out of it. But the beauty of having these playoff finals is you got a one-off, and it's um, think you know hindsight's everything. The chance to go up as automatic, or the chance to play in front of eighty-five thousand on a hot summer day, with the glory that came with it and the exposure that came with it, um, and in the end, I suppose you take the latter. And um, so many memories. I think the one that gets me 
is still, and it's his 28th birthday today, Marcus Bernelli, uh running off with the flare yeah. at the back of the net, which was is so iconic. It's one of the greatest absolutely fo- photos I've ever seen of any Fulham player it's in his any era. Yes, it's his birthday today as well. Yeah, and it was just it was just mesmerizing and. Uh, for so many Fulham fans that were at that final in 75, never thought they'd go back to Wembley. So this would have been great for them. And for all the ones that had never been, <laughs> this was great for them. And sticking one over John Terry uh, is always fun. <laughs> um, and it was, it, was a, it was a magical day. Of course, what happened the following season? Well, we all know. Right. But does it erase the well, We're just the talking about this day for Fulham supporters. This is, yeah, this is our day. it was amazing. It, it really was. And we're oldest club in London, 1879. You know, t- tremendous tradition. People forget that, that before Bramovich came, Chelsea really were a bit of a tin pot club. You know, and he bought his billions and bought all his success. But we've always been very humble and wholesome as a club. And that's what made uh, that day at Wembley even more special. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, let's now go back and let's talk about something that I'm very passionate about because I've not experienced anything like this before. And Emilio, I'm going to go to you. I, I want to get your view on this because, again, um, walking up to uh, Wembley and then we're in Wembley and then we enter and I see something that I've never seen before in my life. And I want to get your view. Have you ever experienced anything like the White Wall? Let's talk about the White Wall. This is something extremely special to me. I've been to AFC Championship games. That's a step below a Super Bowl. I've never felt that type of excitement, that type of camaraderie in my life when I saw the white wall and everyone singing and everyone being together. This is before the match. Your thoughts on the white wall, Emilio? Yeah, unique in that in that respect. I think the closest, you know, memory that I could reflect on that felt anything closer was when I went to two or three games of the Italian 90 World Cup. Obviously, being Italian, obviously Italy had the best team that year, and we should have won the World Cup in in 1919. Watching Italy play in those Euro, in those World Cup matches in front of their home fans, that's probably the closest experience I had. Obviously, the Fulham White Wolf very unique, very different. Big, you know, bigger stadiums like eighty plus thousand at Wembley, and but just felt like you just just walking into that stadium, walking to our seats, and all you can see is just just white everywhere. It just felt it was just, unbelievable. It, it was unbelievable. It just felt like a how just. I can't really describe it because obviously the Villa obviously had a lot of people, a lot of their fans already there. weren't really singing much in the, in the half no. hour leading into the game. It was very, very quiet. You know, it just felt like a like a practice match. It didn't feel like Villa were there just to make it. Felt like they just it almost felt like they felt like they were anointed in Villa. Yeah. yeah, and I think they felt that they, they had a divine right to be there and were now exactly. right. They were overly confident and very, very cocky. And that maybe that's a lot to do with Steve Bruce and John Terry, who are you know, very much have those adjectives against their name. They are very cocky, so-and-sos. But, uh, yeah, but just walking into that stadium, or you just look around you, I couldn't stop taking photographs. Do you remember? We were just, everywhere you would choose, remember. left, right, up and down, you just see this shower of white. Well, like just towels of just, you know, good, you know, it's just amazing. And with the sun reflecting onto the ground, onto the white, there were moments that you can't take away for, you know, for the rest of our lives. That moment when the sun was reflecting straight opposite from where we were, diagonal to where we were, over the dugout. If you recall, that was an yep. amazing night. And, you know, we can never, those memories will never go away. To me. But like I said, the closest that resembles that sort of experience and feeling was watching my own country in, their, in the World Cup tournament in their own country with the best team in the world. That was probably the closest I ever got to having that level of experience. And I've been to many games in my life, you know, probably over six, seven hundred games at Fulham alone. But that's, for me, 
an, an experience I don't think we'll ever see again. Whether we get to oh. Wembley or not for FA Cup final reasons, League Cup final or playoff final wins, I think that that I don't I don't think that will ever be beaten that experience. And winning as well just capped off an amazing day and an amazing season. Right, Emilio. It's funny because uh, again, we're not really in this episode going to talk about the the upcoming season. We're just going to focus on this match this day for Fulham supporters. And and I've said this that say there's another playoff final that we're going to be a part of. Well, let's say it happens, and say they win again. It'll never be like what we experienced two years ago. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that's the fact that we won the game, and deservedly so, <clears throat> in front of thousands of Fulham fans. And I, I agree with Max's point as well, is how the family all came together. From everywhere, Amelia. During the game and after. Then that was that's something we shouldn't forget as well, because all strangers of Fulham, you know, in Fulham's fan base, all helping each other, just trying to get tickets to the games, making yeah. arrangements. It just felt it, that, 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 that experience well, I'll never forget as well. And but for me, just having all those Fulham fans with only one thing in mind. And we would, we were gentle as well, you know, not like Villa, who felt, I think the fans were very arrogant, quite blunt and rude. We were actually just, just enjoying the moment. We don't right. get to Wembley very often, and let's make let's make good use of that that ninety minutes that we're on in the stadium. And I think we just, you know, we'll, I think to the day we die, we'll never ever forget that experience. And you know, we capped it off with a win. And even if we got to another playoff final, I'm not sure it would have the same significance. If that makes sense, <laughs> you know, it let's, does. Let's not carry it away yet, but uh, but if we ever got to Wembley for any other reasons, I don't think we'll ever have that level of uh, significance and importance to me. To me, it's unique, and I think it'll go down in history as unique. But we'll talk about that where this match ranks at the end of the show. But, Steve, I want to go to you now. And uh, I want to, again, feel free to talk about the white wall from your view. But I want to get into this match as well. And, uh, again, the match begins, and uh, Fulham are, are dominating the play. And that all leads to the goal from Kearney, which is set up beautifully by Ryan Sessignon. But it, it starts even further back, the pass from Stefan Johansson that eventually got to Sessignon. It was just an amazing move all the way around the pass from Sessignon, setting up beautifully Kearney and his goal. So I'm going to give you the honors to talk about the uh, match winner for Fulham. And also, like I mentioned, feel free to share your thoughts on the white wall as well. Yeah, so um, firstly, going back to obviously the Fulham family now, um, I've uh, known Emilio a little while, but I've got to thank Emilio for uh, helping us out with uh, obviously getting a, uh, um, some tickets for the game because it was amazing, you know, to be able to do that. Um, same in the Europa League final. I kind of thought that if there's a way, you know, I'm going to get a ticket. But thankfully, <laughs> Emilio was able to, you know, um, able to uh, help me provide one. Um, so it was great. Um, in terms of the white wall, guys, the photos, uh, nothing else really needs to be said. What you guys have said, what the photos have said, what every fan posts, you know, it it was a brilliant day and it was a I think a lot of people were shocked about a how many Fulham fans are there, but b about the you know the site that they actually um we actually made on that day. Um, but yeah, going into the match, um, I think we kind of caught Villa a bit cold with I don't know what everybody else thinks coming into it, but I thought we caught them a bit cold with that fairly early goal. And then we were playing some nice stuff early doors, we and were. I th- you know generally after that first goal. That you know, this could be two, three, you know, or even more. This could be a one-sided final. Um, but as we know, generally finals aren't aren't that one-sided. Okay, excellent, there, Steve. All right, back over to you, Giannis. I, I want to get you back involved in this, and I, I want to talk about again. Fulham had an opportunity from Ryan Sessegnon a little bit later to make it two 0 
But what was your view of the first half? Let's just go right to the end of the first half, Giannis. And uh, how were you feeling at halftime with how Fulham were playing? I thought we played well. I thought we played well. I thought we came out. I thought we came out of the blocks very, very quickly. And it's amazing, you know, going back to that white wall. The, the players come out of that, and you know, the, 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 you, it can't be negated the impact that has on on your athletes that come out and they see this magnificent support in you know the most iconic of stadiums, and that's a huge lifter. And you know, I really thought that as soon as the, the whistle blew, we really got our jets on. I mean, we were very quick to close space down. We got early touches in really quickly. I thought we settled well. Our defensive shape looked good. Um, I thought Villa were a little bit slow off the blocks, to be honest. Um, I really thought it was going to be, beforehand, I thought it was going to be a very sort of slow, patient game. But it looked like we were really motivated to, to go at it. And once we'd scored the goal, and, and you know, mentioned earlier, Steve mentioned earlier, that we, you know, it really seemed to take Villa by surprise. They, they didn't see it coming. I thought their fans were pretty quiet, actually, even up until the goal. Right. And then um, I thought we, you know, I thought we, uh, I thought we settled down. I thought we were really good. And, you know, something, you know, talking about that, that lead up to the, even the game, something that I, 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 one of my memories even of the game, or even before, was the video that was released before the game. of Oh, fantastic video. I mean, that to me, that to me, I don't know, Steve, if you, I've been trying to find the video. I've seen it recently. You, you yeah, because I. I'd like to see that again and, and, and save it because that it video gives me oh thank you that gives me goosebumps that video when I watched it that was that was maybe as emotional as any part of that game because for me to see people like you know Rufus Brevet and and, uh, and Scotty Parker and Bobby um, Zamora and, and Bobby Zamora and the one that that um, and oh, Berber Berbatov in Berbatov and it's like oh my, that was really really powerful stuff. And if I'm yep. a player and I'm looking at all these players going, you know what, you got this. Best of luck. You can do this. You can beat Villa. Oh, if you do, if those players don't come out at Wem- Wembley Stadium feeling a million dollars, then nothing else will spur them on. And I really felt that they felt with that wall and those messages that they were, people wanted them to win. They, I really got this feeling that, you know, let's see Fulham do well. Neutrals wanted Fulham to win that game. And I thought the first half was reflective of that. I thought we went in you know, up the, the the half, I thought we could have been two or three. Um, I thought we looked very settled, and it was nice. It was nice to see. And if you'd said that to me a couple of weeks previous, with that, you know, the debacle up at St Andrews, I might have laughed. Um, but uh, I thought we were very, very good in the first half. Okay, excellent. All right, let's transition and let's talk about the second half. And Max, I'm going to go to you. And as you can expect, Aston Villa came out strong. They had a Really good opportunity from uh, Jack Grealish. He went by three people, and uh, thankfully Marcus Bettinelli made the save. But they were really on top at the beginning of the second half. And as uh, we've already talked about, it was a wonderful opportunity later on from Stefan Johansson. He scores the match is over. Before we talk about the situation with Adoy, I want to get your thoughts on the second half leading up to all of what happened after that. Uh, you know, again, before Adoy. Fulham had some opportunities there to make a tune. What, what were your thoughts about the second half up to that point? Yeah, you could definitely feel the tide turning. Um, definitely was a momentum shift towards Villa. You know, as you might expect, they're down one 0 They had to get back in the game. They had to attack us. Grealish was dangerous all throughout the match, especially in that opening period of the second half. 
I thought, but the defense, as you mentioned, Bettinelli, I thought was excellent. We we stood firm, and bef- but th- it was just after that it was the most nervous I've ever been at a football <laughs> match. I know we're gonna get to that later, but we are. I, that last twenty minutes was absolutely excruciating. But what I love the most about it, actually, my one of my favorite moments in that match was was probably on four minutes to go in the in the entire game, and a ball just being kicked out for a throw, and I think we cleared it, and there's kind of a collective chant of "Come on, Fulham." And everyone yep. stood up and rallied around the side. And it wasn't even cheering a goal. It was cheering a defensive clearance and just the resilience and resistance of the 10 men. And everyone felt like we had this in the bag if we just believed. You know, not, not quite stand up, but you still believe, but that same type of sentiment. And that was beautiful because you looked around, you saw everyone chanting um, and rallying and saying, listen, we're going to hold firm. We're going to win this. We're going to go up. That was just beautiful. Okay, excellent. All right, let's get to it. Emilio, I'm going to give you the honors. We're going to talk about Dennis Adoy getting the second yellow and getting sent off. And the reason why I wanted to go to you now is because I turned to you and I said, oh, Emilio, here mm-hmm. it comes. Here it comes, Emilio. We have to hold on, as Max just said, for 20 minutes. What was going through your mind? Let's start here. When he gets sent off at that point, did you feel, you know, and I'm going to mention this as I mentioned to you guys, as a Boston sports fan, this reminded me of a situation that I thought was going to happen. I thought Fulham were going to have their Bill Buckner moment. If you don't understand what that means, go check out Bill Buckner and you'll understand what mm-hmm. I'm talking about, meaning that it was, going, it was going to end badly. But it didn't, thankfully. But at the time, Emilio, what was going through your mind when he got sent off, Dennis Adoy? I think if you remember, I don't know if you can remember all that excitement. Do you remember when you, you know, Adoy got that yellow card in the first half? I remember yes. that was a stupid foul. And I, I remember you saying I, that. I hope he doesn't, we don't pay the price for that. Because, and we did. And we did at, at that time. I remember clearly saying, Dennis, what the hell have you done there? That was unnecessary. You clipped, you clipped what was his name, Jack Grealish. I know he got the better of you at the time, but Sometimes you just have, just to be a little bit more conservative with your foul, you know, with your your defending when you get on the big stage. Because I said to you that that could be we ever pay the price for that, and we almost did. And and that was just it's one of those things. We still had about what twenty odd minutes, twenty minutes plus injury time to to hang on there. But it was it was no you know, it was a no brainer. Second yellow card, off you go, Dennis. You know there was I think there was still a lot of speculation. Was it a yellow? Was it not? But. And Jack Grealish should have been sent off before that. Oh, so he should have. Pandemic in that respect. And that was the other thing. Fans were complaining about the fact, well, Grealish shouldn't be on the pitch. And then if you want to be neutral, should Fredericks have been in the pitch before that as well? So sure. things even themselves out, in my opinion. I always say even over the over the course of 46 games, you might get some penalties, you might not get some penalties. But broadly speaking, good and bad sort of even out over the course of a whole season. And, you know, we had a bit of, we did ride a bit of luck in that final. But, you know, when the when you've got the rub of the green, that tends to go your way. But, I still thought we could, you know, we had enough in, our, in the tank to defend that lead. And like Yannis like said, you know, that 23 unbeaten run, how many clean sheets did we have? You know, it was difficult to score against. We had a very, very miserly defence. You know, Villa weren't able to break us down with 11 men. They struggled even with even worse with 10 men, to be honest. They I think we were actually quite, quite how to say, organised. We, you know, battled, battled to death, but... As far as I'm concerned, you know, I thought that was that could have been a turning point, but thankfully the team hung 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 well together, regrouped, defended like mad. Ollie Norwood came on and did an excellent job. He was he was courageous throughout those 20 minutes. Absolutely, lost ditch tackles. And a shame that we didn't sign him for the Premier League. I think he would have been a very important signing. But 
I think we didn't want to pay the five million pound fee that uh, Brighton had asked for him. But overall, I, you know, it's what annoyed me was that first foul in the first half. Dennis, why the hell have you you've, you've made, committed a foul there? You, and that, and like you said, it's he got a second yellow card in the second half, and but we hung on. And that was a testament to the whole team and Yukanovic's winning mentality across that team. I'm glad that you mentioned that, Emilio. But I want to go right back to you because after the second yellow, he gets sent off. I believe it was Giannis who already mentioned this. Let's talk about the free kick from Robert Snodgrass. I believe I turned to you and I said, oh, here it is, Emilio. Here it is. So what was going through your mind on that free kick? Because this was really the opportunity of the match for Villa. You know, Again, they had the opportunity from Grealish early on, and, and there were some opportunities late. But this was the one. And thankfully, it went wide. Like you said, that was our moment. But again, it's testament to our defence and to our team. If that's the best chance a Villa can have, you know, against ten men, that's that's testament that's to our. That's pretty team. good. That, yeah. That's you know, if that's the best they can do. They didn't, you know, Bertinelli. Okay, well, I think we've mentioned him already. He made some some good saves during the game. Was heroic in as were the rest of the team. But for me, it's not like Villa had six, you know, chances in the six yard box. They didn't. They didn't have any penalty claims going. You know that they may have may have got on another day. Actually, they didn't really hurt us in those 20 minutes. You know, we had to absorb pressure, as you'd expect, with an extra man. But as far as I'm concerned, Villa weren't up for the challenge. They, we caught them cold that day, like Steve and Max said. And, um, you know, they, I, didn't, I didn't think they were going to score. Whatever they tried to do, it just wasn't going to be enough. We, we had, like, a, our own wall, our own white wall in defence, let alone in the crowd, right. to be honest. So it's that, that whole shield, that whole back line was, no one was going to get past them. Um, however long Villa would have tried, they could have tried for another three or four games, you know, and they still wouldn't have against us, in my opinion. You know, they, they flattered to deceive. And at the end of the day, tactically, we won. And we had, like I said, that winning mentality. You know, nothing would, yep. have, nothing, nothing would have got past us that day. We wanted it more. And yeah. I'm just going to put it that way. Like you yeah. said, winning mentality, but the players wanted it. They were playing for each other. They were fighting for each other. And they brought it home. And that's the bottom line. And, uh, Steve, I want to go back to you. As we've already talked about, you were with us along with Reese, Joe Tivey. We're all together. Let's talk about the final stages. What was going through your mind? I, I remember looking at you and and seeing how, you know, again, we were in stoppage time, and I'm like, it, it felt so long. What was going through your mind at this time? Um, it's kind of strange because I alluded to it earlier, you know, when Adoy got red carded, you know, me and, me and Reese kind of slouched in our chair and we thought, Oh no, you know, here we go, like everybody go, else. Yeah. But having weathered the storm all the way up till till those final few minutes, and I can't quite remember. I don't really think they had a massively glorious half chance or anything in in stoppage time. And you kind of felt just with everyone back, you're just gonna just see it out. And you know that that even the final moment that we cleared that ball up to the halfway line when the final whistle went, it just literally. Just just everyone was there, just mantle pump, just clearing anything. It didn't matter where it went. Rose Ed, you know, further into the other half, out the other end. You know, it was just going. It didn't matter what they did. They weren't passing it around the back um, like we've been seeing a lot, um, a lot lately. But, yeah, no, it was really good. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Max. Your thoughts on the final stages of this match? Yeah, as I said, it was probably the worst feeling ever, but I think that made the final whistle even more satisfying knowing that we were right on the edge. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I would necessarily agree with, 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 with Steven Emilio. Yeah, they certainly weren't at their best. I think what Villa fell victim to was the allure of throwing on all the strikers they could. 
You know, they chucked on Scott Hogan, Grabbin was on there, they did a dump, but they didn't have any midfield. So they took off kind of all their uh, creative players for goal scores, and there's no one to facilitate. So it was just kind of pump it out to the wing, swing it across. And I remember one moment, Scott Hogan was so free in the box, and it was just, the, the cross just seemed to hang in the air. And I thought for sure he's going to nod at home. Luckily, he missed. But there were moments like that, that that were actually quite frequent when he really thought Villa would, would, would do it. But I think you're right. The, the defense stood firm, and Benelli didn't really have to make any huge saves. But also, at the end of the match, you know, Callas, so underrated, I think, that season, he had that. He jumped. He jumped backwards and headed that ball into the air for the for the final who forward. And if he didn't touch that, yep. I'm, I'm pretty sure Amazing. the striker would have got onto that. That to me, in the very last minute of the match, shows a level of commitment and effort that every yep. single Fulham player had that day. They didn't switch off for one moment. And you can also talk about Norwood's unbelievable block. Moments like that showed that we were destined to yep. go up because everyone, to a man, defended for the team, fought for the mission, and really trusted Salisa's plan. And it was excellent. And the final whistle. Uh, it was indescribable. I mean, I had tears of joy. People were hugging randomly. I mean, there was, the, the flares went off. Um, you saw everyone just piling up on top of each other on the pitch. You know, a door in the crossbar, Benelli with the flare. And then the best thing was when they played Mitro's on Fire, that, that song, you know, we, I mean, everyone was singing Mitro's on Fire, like all yeah. 40,000 fans. And the Villa, fan, the Villa end had emptied out by that end, by that time. But it was just all Fulham fans <laughs> celebrating as we left the trophy. Moments like that, you know, in right. the beautiful sun as the sun was setting. It was just picturesque. And I don't think I, I, that was some of the best day of my life, I can say. Okay, excellent. And uh, I just want to share this with everyone. And like I said, I, I did mention this in the video, but since Steve and Emilio are on this with me, I, I want to mention this because, uh, again, uh, the end of the match was magical. I, again, didn't want to believe it's one of these things that this is really happening, that they were going to win this. I was nervous until the very end when it all went away is when I got a hug from Steve Ligard and Emilio Danello and Reese and Joe Tivey. We all hugged like little kids. And I'm just telling you, that's something that I will never, ever forget. So I, w- I want to thank everyone, especially I want to thank Steve, Emilio, Reese, Joe, everyone that was with me that day. It was just amazing. That ending was just something I'll never forget. And Emilio, I want to go to you before I go back to Giannis. One thing that I I want to mention, and I mentioned this in the video, what was so great about it after everything was over, after they got the trophy, after everyone left, do you know that we were probably one of the last ones to leave Wembley? You're right. Yeah, we did. We, We just got carried away with the emotions, the celebration. We didn't want to leave. We didn't want to leave. We just wanted to, you know, you know, just you know, taking more and more photographs. I lost kind of new photographs and videos. We took all the players celebrating on the pitch, going up to the fans, grabbing flags. You know, pat, you know, rest, Ryan Session, pat, you know, patting his his badge as he always does whenever he scores a goal. And, you know, it just we didn't want to leave. And we, like you said, we actually got kicked out of the stadium. We were told to actually leave. We did. It's uh, again, just how time flew by. Just because you know, it's not often. We've got moments to celebrate as a Fulham and as a Fulham band. We've had a few red promotions. We've got to a couple, two or three cup finals in our in our history, but it's not something that happens very often. Which is what I think made it more ever more special. Villa have got to many finals. They've won many trophies in the past, so they typically historically are a bigger club because they've won more trophies. But you know, at the end sure. of the day, we we beat them. We beat a bigger club fair and square on that day, and Absolutely. we had every right to uh, to celebrate and enjoy it and savor that moment. And 
it was weird because when we left the stadium, it was like literally there was not wasn't there wasn't that many people around Wembley, and it was like, well, what do we do next? <laughs> you know, so we should go for a drink, should we go walking around. I felt like a little bit like a little bit dazed. So yep. you know, I lost my bearings from it. Do you remember we were losing our bearings? We didn't know where we were going. We were just following other people, and um, yeah, it was just one of those just one of those special day outs as I mentioned at the beginning. It was it didn't feel like a cup final to me. It just felt like a community match amongst all your Fulham faithful together and just having a a day out that's what it felt like it didn't feel like a you know big cup final you know that all that all that at stake at times it just felt just just enjoy the moment because you don't get these moments very often and and if we win great if we don't win we'll try again next time that's how that's how I felt okay excellent no it was just it was so amazing Emilio and I thought you did a great job just explaining what was going through my mind, especially at the end, just being together as a community. And uh, I don't get to come over that often. That was the second time I've come over. And, boy, what a special day to spend with all of you guys. And not only that, to Emilio, for, to spend the weekend with you was just magic. But that day was just unbelievable. And I'm glad that I had a chance to um, to be there. All right. Coming up, guys, we're going to talk about where does this match rank in Fulham history? I want to get all of your thoughts on that. And also want to share some thoughts from a journalist and also some Fulham supporters, their thoughts on this match. Okay, guys, let's now look at some comments from the Fulham supporters and also from a journalist. You guys will remember this journalist, Ryan O'Donovan. He actually tweeted this to me this morning. And Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on what Ryan shared to me on the Cottage Talk Twitter page, I think you're going to find this interesting because I, I basically just said we're recording an episode and just share your thoughts on the playoff final. Ryan O'Donovan at the time was working for Football.London, did an excellent job. This is what he tweeted to me today. Quote, I was waiting in the mix zone trying to grab some players when Savisa walked through, cool as you like, with trophy swinging in one arm. Had an interview to post game so I called out to him he came over to the barrier with a big grin gave me a bear hug winked then carried on his way onto the team coach never seen him so happy in all my time covering foam unquote Giannis that's from Ryan O'Donovan talking about Mm -hmm. Slavisa after this match we haven't even mentioned Slavisa what are your thoughts about what Ryan O'Donovan shared about his experience at the playoff final that he talks about Slavisa well, I mean, how often would you see the modern manager actually doing that? I mean, everything is the modern manager is so modern managers tend to be so robotic when dealing with the media and even sometimes dealing with fans. And uh, there was a day not so very long ago when managers would actually give autographs to, 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 to fans. They would be it wouldn't be all about sound bites. That's why I mean, I'd, I'm sounding old here, but that's why I miss, you know, people like uh, like Brian Clough, who, <laughs> you, you always knew you were going to get something something really good from him because uh, that was just the way he was, you know, and it didn't he didn't have to necessarily impress you, but um, you know he, what was on his mind he'd say. And Slavica had you know it was an interesting season because you know we were sort of up and down and up and down. And we went on this absolutely incredible run, and um, you know he takes a, he deserves an enormous amount of credit. The, the, the success he was the, it would be he would be the first one to tell you that. The, the, the success really or the praise should be, you know, poured onto the players. 
but he and his coaching staff, you know, played as big a role as any. They were magnificent. And, uh, I, you know, there are still a lot of fans that wish he was here. We know why he isn't here, but um, because of his deportment and his demeanour and just he, you know, the way he presented himself in front of everybody. He was a classy guy, obviously. And that was a great experience for Ryan. And you don't often see that now. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, um, it's a rarity in the modern game that you've got. I'm just thinking of people like, I mean, think of managers now who, you know, will do, and Ian Holloway is a bit like that. I mean, we'll, you know, he'll crack some jokes. There aren't, there really aren't many of them. And uh, so it's a refreshing change. And I think it was indicative of the way he felt after what was a mag, you know, magnificent achievement for the club and, and for him personally as a head coach. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, I'm going to read a couple of uh, comments that were put on the Cottage Talk Facebook page. There, there are some others that, again, just for time's sake, I really can't read. Just want to mention thank you to our co-host, Craig Hoban. He shared a little bit from him. Jamie Vade actually had a, had a very good uh, comment. Do read that on the Cottage Talk Facebook page. Jamie, thank you so much for sending that. And Kevin Hudson actually sent me a message again. Great stuff, guys. I just don't have time to read everyone's comments. And I want to thank you for mentioning what uh, what you wrote. And definitely uh, thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts on the playoff final. I'll just read a few of these. Paul Buxton, he uh, his comment was, drink, win game, lots more to drink. <laughs> I like that comment. Okay. Stephen Reese, this is what he put on the Cottage Talk Facebook page about the playoff final. It was my birthday. I was 74, and I have supported Fulham since I was five. As I grew up in Robin Owen House, I cried with joy and hugged the lady sitting next to me. She was a Millwall supporter and came with her husband. We had a good laugh. Emilio, I, I want to get your thoughts on that because that's kind of what it's about, a fan like that. It was his birthday, and I, 74 years old, and got to experience that at Wembley. Yeah, very, yeah, very fortunate, you know, birthday, you know, Winning a trophy, getting promoted to the Premier League—you know—that that doesn't happen every day in, in the life of a fan, to be honest. So I think that's that's a key thing. You know, when you when is these big moments in life, you'll always associate them with something. You'll always, you know, every person who went to that game will probably remember a particular moment, whether it be the goal, whether it be the sending off, whether it was the white wall. Everyone will have a different reflection as to what they, you know, what was what was significant about that day out. But for me, just all of those factors contributed to an amazing day out as far as I'm concerned you know it was it was special and but there have also been other special moments as a Fulham fan as well over the years you know right. that's the key thing for me you know it's been a club for so long you know there are other moments that are very precious for me as a fan over those over the last 40 years oh, that's great and that's why at the end of the show I want to see where this ranks and maybe you can mention some of the others that rank up there with you my friend all right here's another comment this is also someone's birthday was at that day at Wembley Maureen Grimwood I have to read this it's very interesting it was my birthday we had great problems getting seats in the lower area despite being regulars on the away coach I was hobbling on sticks due to hip problems the regular Mossport Park coach driver was unable to find the designated coach park his control eventually directed us far away from the ground to a residential district. A Villa fan threw a brick through the coach window when we stayed into the Villa area. My daughter then directed the driver to the designated coach park using Google Maps. The coach eventually parked in the coach park far away from the ground. 
probably the furthest coach park from the ground. Time was running out. My daughter had to run to meet her cousin from Devon to give him his ticket. I hobbled to the ground with great difficulty. At halftime, I went to the loo, missing the message, wishing me a happy birthday displayed on the board going around the arena. We won. The best birthday present ever. I then had to hobble to the coach, park at a very slow speed, resulting in leaving Wembley before all the celebrations had finished. But we had won a playoff final. We had won at Wembley. Again, that was from Maureen Grimwood. Max, over to you. Thoughts on that? Again, uh, someone's birthday, so special. Got to spend it with the family. The disturbing part was what she shared about the Villa supporter throwing a brick through the uh, bus. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's a tremendous story. I think so many great twists there. Uh, engrossing for sure. The, the, the brick to the bus reminds me of um, what happened to the uh, the Man City coach at Anfield a couple of years back. Yeah, uh, the, I remember that. The, that's oh, luckily no one was hurt, but you know that's a great story to tell looking back. And I think you know for, for these fans, um, a, a birthday is a special day, but also you know winning at Wembley. This is something that Fulham had never done. That's right. We might not see it again. That's what made it so special is that as a club, no one supports Fulham and expects to be a glory hunter. No one supports Fulham and, and expects titles year in, year out. I mean, the fact of the matter is we've never won a major trophy. I, I'll be honest. I do not consider this a major trophy. Um, Inner total cop, I don't consider that a major trophy. We're not a club who wins things, right? We don't love Fulham for the glory. We love it for the family, for, for the winning, sure, but we're not here as a United or a Liverpool. That's what made this day so special because Fulham doesn't do these kind of things. We don't go to Wembley and get them. We don't bring 40,000 fans week in, week out. It was essentially our day as a big club, but we did it our way. We did it the family way. We did it in a way where there's community. And I think if, if anyone watched the Sunderland Until I Die documentary this year, when they went to Wembley two times, yep. lost both of them, the heartbreak on the supporters, that's what Fulham fans have felt for 40-odd years since you know the, the FA Cup run. And I feel like all the pain, and also all the pain of the championship when we almost got relegated to League One. I mean, there are two seasons from you know, 14, 15, 15, 16, we were fighting against relegation to League One to 17-18. We were back in the Premier League with a win at Wembley. That's why I think that, that day meant so much to so many supporters, certainly of my younger generation, but also for the older generations. This was yep. our chance to kind of get rid of all of those bad memories, all that heartbreak, and we did it. That's a, that's a great point there, Max. And Steve, again, I, I, I think that uh, Max brought up a good point. We're talking about what this means to so many different people. That's why I want to share a couple of these comments and I think this match took away a lot of pain as Max was saying well what are your thoughts on that because again I don't go back as far as some people obviously I'm still a fairly new foam supporter but that's a great point because I wasn't there for a good amount of those painful moments this had to take away some of that pain Steve yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the the older generation, without without being rude, you know, uh, Emilio, Yanis, you know, you guys have obviously been through situations like the like the, the seventy five cup final and stuff like that. But having been, for example, at the Europa League final, you know, kind of feeling that you're destined to win something but just falling short, um, you, you know, and experiencing that agony while while you're still proud about the time it is, you know, as any football fan, it's it's absolute agony, you know, and sort of wind on 10 years was it not 10 years sorry sort of eight years or so you know and uh we're winning at Wembley you know it's a completely different feeling I remember going in that day that I did I didn't want to 
I didn't want to come out feeling the same way I did in 2010. And thankfully, you know, we didn't. And uh, I, so I can appreciate, you know, what it feels like to those that have supported the club a hell of a lot yeah. longer. Uh, it's it's wonderful. And that's why I'm glad that Max brought that up. It actually reminds me, and again, many won't be able to understand because I'm from Boston, but the Red Sox win in 2004. And it took away generations of pain of uh, my grandfather, everyone's grandfather, you know, years and generations of Red Sox fans that never won it. And they finally won it. And that pain went away. So I certainly understand what Max is talking about there. All right, guys, let's transition. Let's end with talking about where this match ranks. And please feel free to talk about other magical matches in Fulham's history that mean something to you. So, Emilio, I want to go to you first. Let's talk about this. Where where does this match rank for you in the history of Fulham? You have followed Fulham, been a supporter most of your life. Where does this rank for you? Certainly up there, um, uh, naturally. I don't think it was for me. I think obviously, aside from the fact we didn't win the Europa League final tenure, that for me was a bigger highlight because of how we got there and and the big and the teams that we had to play. This was a champion, you know, a championship, you know, winning match, you know, final decider to who gets promoted to the Premier League. So it wasn't actually an FA Cup final per se. I think if it was an FA Cup final, I think it would have more sentiment to me because actually you won at Wembley and you won the most prestigious. Cup in the UK. Okay. Um, so for me, I'd probably say the Europa League final, I think, ranks higher because it was more significant in terms of the opposition that we beat, the fact we had to go abroad to watch the match as well. I think that all of that contributed to a better experience. You know, obviously, the result was disappointing, but for me, that was, a, I think, a bigger achievement. This was, you know, the fact that we finished top, you know, top three, we earned the right to go into the playoffs and, you know, we, we earned that right to have a day out and thankfully we won that game. But you know, there have been other moments where we've got promoted from the second flight to the to the Premier League you know, under Tigana. And then we got there automatically that, that year. That, to me, was also more, was also special in many respects because we, we dominated that season we, and, we, and we, we earned the right to go automatically promoted. So it's up there, but it's not number one for me. I think over the years, I think there's been other moments which I think are more significant in terms of the history. But the fact that we actually won a big tournament, a big match, stroke tournament, and got promoted... You know, it ranks up there with the more for the experience. I'd probably say getting to Wembley and the experience of all those memories, the White Wall that we've discussed in the show today. But it's certainly not the not the top best experience ever as a Fulham fan, to be honest. Okay, yeah, it's over to you. Where does this rank for you? Yeah, it, it's right up there. Um, I think I think for me the number one is going to be the Juventus game, uh, just because it, still ten years on. Still cannot believe we won that game, especially after Trezeguet scored early, and we were really out of the we were out of the tie. And for us to come back the way we did in that atmosphere during that run was just mesmerical. It was just unbelievable. That playoff final will be right up there though, um, because we are a fairly small club. We don't win trophies. Um, we don't take going to Wembley or the big occasions for granted. So when it happens to a club like us, it means that much more. And that's why, you know, you look even look back to the 2010 Europa League run. It's still unbelievable that we went on that run. It just, it just, it, it, I think the longer it goes and you look at the teams we had to beat to get to Atletico Madrid, 
the more you realize how in, incredible that run was. It was just, it is so tough to play in Europe. Um, and really, we, we just went on this magical run where everything seemed to go right. And it's, you know, how, how many how many clubs, English clubs can say they went to a European final? You know, there, 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 aren't, there aren't many. And um, the Juventus game still, for me, ranks right up there. And alongside, I remember the 75 semi against Birmingham City, the John Mitchell goal. But that wasn't at home. Um, that was neutral. But just because I was at that, that one as well, and that just the atmosphere was incredible. But for home, but for that playoff, 85,000, that white wall is just, it's... You know, if we could have that for every state, every every game. <laughs> um, but you see that more in North America in playoff games with things yeah. like um, hockey. Hockey is a really good example. Where, or is. basketball, where you'll have the, the red wall or the blue wall or the white wall. But um, nonetheless, it was still an amazing day out. Um, yeah. And, uh, of course, the following year was <laughs> best to be forgotten. But well, I, let's I not still don't focus think... on that. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually don't think. I don't believe the following year erases that day. I don't actually, because we needed that day to get there. That's and right. had we not got through that day, we wouldn't have got there. So, it it, it we got rele- relegated. Who cares? We, this we, match we needs to be day. celebrated. Absolutely. It just does. Couldn't agree more. It does. Yeah. Forget about what happened after that. Talking about that season. That's a season we don't need to be talking about. We need to be talking about what happened at this playoff final. What we all experienced. I think that's what we need to do and to talk about the white wall one last time. And then Steve, I'll go to you to again, for me going to some of the games I've come to over here an AFC championship game, which the stakes are incredibly high. I did not feel that type of excitement the way I felt that camaraderie at Wembley. It stands alone for me, but again, that's just me. Steve, where, where does this match rank for you in regards to Fulham's history? For you. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, had as the guys touched on it, had we won the European final, I think I would have been with Emilio, um, without a doubt. I mean, the achievement is still there, but without a doubt, that would have been shoulders, you know, my, my best experience, or probably best experience for the club and everyone. Um, for me, it is Wembley. However, the year we did get promoted um, back in, I believe it was 2000, my years are terrible usually, but around that time to the Premier League for the first time. I mean, that, that was a special moment, you know, the season taken by storm, really. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to say Wembley, you know, obviously being with, with you guys, you know, was great. The day out was fantastic. Was the, um, the trip to the bar afterwards was brilliant as well. And uh, we didn't really want it to end, but it had to end somewhere. Um, all good things come to end. We'll see, see what happens next. It did. And uh, Steve, you introduced me to what a Mr. Whippy is. <laughs> yes, fantastic <laughs> ice cream. Um, Russ, while we're here, um, just, just in case we don't get a chance at the end of the show, um, it had been apparent to me um, that now I'm living in Andover in England uh, rather than Salisbury. Yeah. I've been out on runs and on walks with a family. It had occurred to me that I've come across two other Fulham fans. Um, one I've seen out jogging, and one's got a massive Craven Cottage sign outside their house. So if that's you, um, then obviously feel free to get in touch with myself or Russ or any of the guys in their <laughs> chat room at the stage. Okay, excellent there, Steve. Max, I'm going to give you the final word on this. 
where does this match rank for you in form history? Yeah, for me, for me, it has to be number one, at least in, in my my history being a Fulham fan. I think the big thing is that, you know, we won. It's tough to decide between the Europa League and, and the championship playoff final because on one hand, the Europa League, we were playing against the best teams in all of Europe. Or the, you know, best continental Europe competition. It wasn't the Champions League, sure, but that was elite, elite uh, competition. I mean, Letico Madrid, that team was a fantastic team that we lost to. So I'd say the level of play there is so much higher. But the sad reality is we didn't win that match, and we did beat Villa. Uh, so for me, it has to be Wembley. I think uh, one thing we don't really talk about enough about this match is that it was great to get back in the Premier League, not just to be in the Premier League, but to keep that squad of players together for yeah. one more year. Because if we, had, if we had lost, you know, I think it's different. You always talk about you know, the, the, the American football championships. There, if you, if you lose it, you know, it's sad, sure, but you're not stuck in the second division, right? They were, this, I think this match was so important because, yes, there's a bonus if we won, but we also knew the massive negative if we lost. Yep. If we lost that match, Mitrovic was gone. Sessinon was definitely gone. I'd say Hansen probably left. Fredericks for sure gone. Target gone. I mean, all the players that we might have had a chance keeping in the Premier League would have left, and the team would have been completely dismantled. And we know how hard it is to get back in, into promotion convention after losing a playoff final. So that's why I think this match is so special because not only did we get to the Premier League but we avoided the disaster of being in the championship for another year, which I think would have hurt the team immeasurably. That's a great point. Melio, I was going to give Max the final word, but he just brought up a really good point that I want to get your view on. Because I was thinking about this before we decided to do the show. That match had so much significance on it, and Max just brought up one of them, which I was thinking about. This team would have been dismantled if they lost. And I was thinking about it while we were there that this might be the last time that I get to see all this team together, these players, because if they lost that, Mitrovic, Sessegnon, Kearney, they all might have been gone. So, yes, it didn't end the way that we wanted it to when they were in the Premier League. But they got to accomplish something. They also got to stay together. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the fact that you know, we... Kept some continuity in the team, but the same thing again. It's by keeping the sh- the shell of, the, of that team. Obviously, the owners felt it was more important to go and buy players who were bigger or more expensive than those guys. So that's why we obviously one of the reasons why we we didn't stay in the Premier League. So in a funny way, it's uh, yeah, it's great that we kept the the the, the, the team, but obviously a lot of those players struggled to adjust in the Premier League. You know, we ended sure. up playing a lot of players, and you know that's why for me, get automatic promotion all those years ago under John Tigan. I was mentioning earlier. Was more had also special significance because um, Mohamed Al Fayed had a very good team, very good manager. We we blissed that that league that year, and we just stayed in the Premier League for thirteen consecutive years yeah. under many years under, under the leadership of Mohamed Al Fayed. So, you know, at the end of the day, that was no fluke. We we won our right to get promoted that year, and we we invested wisely in those first few years in the Premier League, and we stayed there reasonably comfortably for a few years. So, for me. Um, you know, I get Max's point, but what was you know, what was probably disappointing is we didn't give those many of those players a chance to sh- to prove themselves in the division. It was like start stop, you know, and all these other players, series, you know, and Geese's, they all got they all got all came in and took precedence over the team that earned the right to get promoted. So that's that's sometimes a danger when you do get promoted to a top flight. Other players that are playing for you good enough to to play at the next level and. Some of them flattered to deceive, unfortunately, but also it didn't help when you had so many new players coming in in that transfer window, which I think was part of the reason why we, we went straight back down. 
That's a good point because uh, the club went in a different direction. That's mm. very fair to talk about it that way. They brought in a lot of uh, players that they thought they needed to upgrade in several positions. But Mitrovic might have been gone if they didn't get promoted. Sosnian might have been gone too. So I, I, I can understand where Max is going on that. But it didn't work. But in the end, uh, we had that magical day which led to being promoted and the team got to stay pretty much intact. And they added obviously a lot of talent to that. But for me, just to end this episode, uh, this match means uh, a great deal to me. I don't get to come over to England that often. That was the second time I've been over there. And uh, I still have never seen a match at Craven Cottage. Yes, that's true. But I got to spend one at Wembley with some wonderful friends and met, a bunch of more new friends and I got to experience with the foam community and uh, uh, that will uh, be with me for the rest of my life. So I will get to England again to see foam play at Craven Cottage, but nothing will compare to that match at Wembley. And um, that's just how I want to end it because that to me, this match means a great deal. There are other matches in the history of foam that I agree with Emilio that, that fans can see as being as important or more important, totally understand that. But just for me personally, for me to experience something like that, this means a great deal. And I just want to end the show like that. But listen, I want to thank Steve, Max, Emilio, and Giannis for joining me. And uh, just to, again, look back at something two years ago that was magic for all of us. We're going to have some more shows coming up. We're just waiting to hear what happens with the rest of full season. And uh, we'll take it from there, but we will have some more shows coming up. Anyways, but let's wrap up this episode. For Giannis, Steve, Max, and Emilio, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.